tonight, um, we're picking up, we're still in the book of Galatians. Pastor left off in Galatians, um, he left chapter four, and we'll pick up in chapter five, Galatians chapter five. And before, how many of you know, before we go there, I got to go back just a little bit to um, capture some of the stuff that um, was said last week. That'll give us a better understanding of what we're doing this week or what's being said in the text. And so last week, Pastor discussed and spoke from the topic, can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? And he highlighted this main point when Paul asked the Galatians, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? That was in Galatians 4. So how many of you know that everything can be going good? You can have a good relationship with somebody. Everything can be just fine. But when you share the truth sometimes of this gospel or the truth of what God's word is saying, things can change. Things can get a little different. It was cold until you spoke truth, until you told somebody, ah, I don't think that was right. You know, and then some people, you, they do say, hey, tell me the truth, man. Let me know the truth. But the truth is, just like that movie Pastor was discussing, you might not be able to handle the truth. You might not be ready for the truth. And a lot of times people can't handle the truth for maybe one or two reasons. Um, most time I found that some people are comfortable believing a lie. Or simply they, they believe that the, the lie that they believe is the truth, which is deception. So they've been deceived to believe in that, hey, what I think is true. When in fact, that's a lie. So just think about this with me. When Paul says, and he goes on in that, that chapter four, hey, the false teachers are so eager, they're eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They try to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention to them. And he's discussing false teachers at that time. Then he goes on throughout the passage. And I wanted to highlight verse 19, that was four and 19, where Paul, he's using some poetic language. When he, he goes on to say, I'm having labor pains for you again, because he knew that those false teachers would continue to um, challenge, challenge his disciples, the people that he taught the truth. He knew that they would continue to be confronted by false teachers. And he used the poetic language when he said, I have labor pains. For you, a man using the, the term labor pains. And I think we know in the natural that labor pains are painful, or labor pains are something that you can feel coming on. But you have labor pains before birth, oftentimes during birth, but after something, after um, what you were birthing is here, you no longer are supposed to have labor pains. And so when he shared this truth with them, he felt like, hey, I let them know what the word of God says and that this is the truth, and he moved on. Somebody came behind him and put something in there that wasn't true. And so from a distance, he's saying, I'm laboring all over again for you. It's, it's almost like he was saying, y'all have gone backwards. I done birthed you. Y'all supposed to be now developing and growing up and getting into toddler, you know, those stages of when you walking in Christ. But you're going backwards. I'm in labor for you again. Amen. Hold on to that again. Somebody say again. So at the end of chapter four, which is going to take us into uh, 
chapter 5 of Galatians. It says you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep, want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. And how many of you know that's a strong contrast where the child who was born by human effort is persecuting the child who was born by the power of God's spirit. Ponder that thought for a minute, because it's the same today. But what do the scriptures say about that? I'm in verse 30 of last week. Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. And that passage is what takes us into this week. Verse 31, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. And they're discussing Sarah versus Hagar. And so tonight I'm discussing, I'm coming from the topic, not bound by law, but bound by love. Not bound by law, but bound by love. And so let's look at verse one. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied again, tied up again in slavery to the law. Some of your, um, the versions that you're reading say entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So what's entangled? Anybody? Entangled. Twisted together or caught in. The second definition is complicated circumstances from which it's difficult to escape. So you can get entangled into a lot of different things. But here Paul is telling us not to be entangled with the law again, the law, the slave with slavery to the law. Verse two, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. In the Old Testament, the word circumcision is tied to purity. But here in this text, I'm going to read to three different ways that circumcision is used. According to Jewish law, circumcision is the physical representation of the covenant between God and Abraham. It's described in the Old Testament and is required for the inclusion of males in the Jewish faith. That was what the Jewish law. But then the, in the Abrahamic faith, Islamic people practice circumcision as a confirmation of their relationship with God. And the practice is also known as Tehera. It means purification again, but with the global spread of Islam from the 7th century, AD male circumcision was widely adopted among previously non-circumcising people. So some people who didn't even recognize that because that religion went around, they did something that they wouldn't normally do. But for the sake of this text, for Galatians to receive circumcision, it's the ritual that testified that a Gentile was coming under the law. It meant that he no longer trusted in Jesus as his righteousness, but trusted in himself instead. And so Paul could say, Christ will profit you nothing. If you thought, if you think that circumcision is going to make you right with God, then you missed it. If you think that I'm keeping the law, I'm doing everything, I'm crossing every T, I'm dotting every, I'm following it, everything to the law, you missed it. Amen? And for somebody, that's a truth that they can't handle. Amen? Verse 3, he says it again. If you're trying to find favor with God, 
by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. The whole law of Moses. The whole law of Moses is also known as the Mosaic law. It's those first five books of the Bible. It begins with the Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelites through Moses. But it includes so many different religious observances. It's given in the first five books of the Testament, and it's called, so in Judaism, these books are called the Torah. Some of you may know it as a Pentateuch. But what are the requirements of the law of Moses? When I look through here, and I'm not going to get too in-depth because it is lengthy and it's a, it's a lot, there's so many different religious ceremonies. The law of Moses consisted of many ceremonies, rituals, symbols to remind people frequently of their duties and responsibilities. It states in the Bible dictionary in the Latter-day Saint edition, it, it included a law of carnal commandments and performances added to the basic laws of the gospel. So it's just this book of just so many things that you had to follow, that you had to try to keep. So it was the moral law. There were civil laws. There were all kind of laws in there where it was it probably was impossible to do all of those things just right. Just right. It also included uh, more to what we're realizing today is faith, repentance, baptism in water, and remission of sins. They were also part of the law, as were also the Ten Commandments. You know, we're familiar with that. And although inferior to the fullness of the gospel, there were many provisions in the law of Moses of high ethical and moral value that were equal to divine law. Amen? I'm just giving y'all some history so we can know when people say, well, what's the law? Why? You know, when we get into this discussion, it's important to know what is the law. Like, what are we talking about? And I know last week we kind of got into it a little bit where somebody was saying, well, moral law, well, what about this law? What about that law? The whole law. Amen. So if you're trying to make yourself right, again, he's in verse four, right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And this is, it's, it sounds so harsh because keeping of the law was expense, expensive. Pastor mentioned um, the keeping and tracking of dates, calendars for proper observances, etc. You going by the moon or, you know, going, hey, this is this season. Oh, this is not that season yet. And getting it just right so that you could observe whatever feast or festival you're supposed to during that time. And so I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God gave us grace, that he extended his love and his mercy because who could perfect the law? Who could get it just right and dot every T and, and you know, dot every I and cross every T? Who, who? Oh, and some people today think that, hey, but you might have missed it. And so God knew that we couldn't perfect the law. And so we go into verse five. He says, but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. We who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. But when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. So what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. Matthew 5 and 17, it says, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, 
but to fulfill the law. And he fulfilled the law with love. I mean, you know that. You were running the race so well. I'm in verse seven. Who has held you back from following the truth? It sounds just like last week. Who has held you back from following the truth? It's kind of letting you know you, you've gone backwards. And so you can be going along and walking and, and doing the things that you know that someone has taught you or someone has shared this gospel with you to know that, hey, I understand these certain things. And some, somebody can come along, even as you're on your journey right now, and share some things that you're not familiar with, that you might not understand, that you just kind of question and say, well, I don't know if that's right. At that point, what do you do? Do you feel like you have a close enough relationship with God to where, hey, the spirit of God is going to lead me in this? Do you think that you have an understanding of the word enough to know, hey, that's, that's not right? Or are we, we deceived? I need y'all to talk back to me. But do you think that you, in your walk right now, can kind of say, um, that's not right. I don't think that's right. I don't, I'm not sure that what you're telling me is lining up with the gospel that I've been learning, what I've been reading about, the God that I've been serving. Do you think in your walk right now, if some, as you're going on your journey with Christ, you feel like you are in a place with God to where you know what you know right now? Do you think that somebody can come along and tell you something that you're unfamiliar with and you kind of go astray? Are you, do you feel comfortable like you're in a position where I know enough about God, I know enough about his word and what it says to where a false teacher can't take me astray? You do? I want somebody to talk, talk to it. Because there's people that know this word. They know this Bible the same way that you're sitting here and you get the Bible. There's people that know the Bible, but yet they still believe that, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z. You have to do these things just right, or you may not make it in. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I feel comfortable enough, but, but it's like, um, it's like the Bible says too, you know, every day you have to kill your flesh. And sometimes your flesh, if whatever's being said kind of pleases you, then you might, even though you don't, just like you said, you know what, I know this is wrong, but it may feel good. I think sometimes that's what kind of gets people astray. And I just want to add to what um, Major was saying, that um, I do believe that I'm at a place where um, a false um, teacher or doctrine or what have you um, cannot persuade me to um, be led astray from the gospel. And the reason why I say that is that um, uh, it, the, the relationship that I have with God, I feel it every day. Um, it's a relationship which I hear from him and he hears from me. And I don't do everything right all the time. Um, many times I'm wrong. And sometimes I do stumble. But no matter what I go through or no matter what I have to face in life, I've gotten to the point in my life to know that God is real. He is truth. And, I, and there's nothing else. And so something did come up not too long ago where uh, a person was talking, I heard it somewhat, I don't know, was it on the news or something, 
but this guy, some kind of scholar was talking about, you know, uh, world religions and talking about different religions where, you know, uh, each religion has some sort of a story that is close to the Christ story. And that you go to this religion and it's called this and that religion. And so in the back of my mind, I can hear something say, hmm, you thought you had a hold on this, but see, this may not be the truth. There may be some other truths that are older than this truth. And he said that it was even older than uh, the Bible, okay, the word of God, okay. And um, But something inside of me says that, hey, my faith, because see what faith is that you might not see and understand everything, but if you got a relationship with God, that no matter what, your belief and faith in him, and you're at a, uh, uh, at a point uh, in your life or at a stage in your relationship where I'm just not going to be deterred. I am, if this is not the gospel, um, as the pastor said, then guess what? I'm going to take a chance on it anyway. I, have, I know nothing else, and nobody's going to tell me anything else because I know what God, that God has spoken to me and that he is real. And so, therefore, I may stumble, like Major said, okay? I may fall every once in a while, but at the end of the day, I'm going to always go back to my first love because of the relationship that I have with God. I, myself, I am at a point in my life to where, you know, um, what someone say or whatever, you know, you can't deter me from Christ. You know, if, if I don't understand something, I'm going to go and get the word myself and read it. If I can't get it read it, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm calling my pastor. Oh, no, <laughs> I won't be. I won't be removed. I won't be moved. No way. And then the Holy Spirit that's within me. Oh, it's going to let me know. I was going to piggyback off of what uh, sister just said. When you have any doubt, you have the Bible. Even even the pastor says, I, he preaches this stuff. But you go home and you read it for yourself. You put it in your head, in your mind, in your heart, and ask God to remove anything that is not of him from you. Pretty much it's... Uh, pretty much everybody was saying um, when he's reading for his call, he's writing these letters to these, these Galatians and once again he has to talk of the gospel and you now into a, to a point where it is the spirit life that you carry on and you have to continue to study thou truth the spirit of the Lord. The more you study and what you are being grounded with, you'll be in the same position where Jesus was tested and also he had to say to Satan, it is written. If you didn't, if you didn't know the word of God or the spirit of God, Jesus would not have been able to recognize and, and, and see if there was a false prophet, in a sense, was, was Satan. So the same that Jesus had to do, as we know, the stu Jesus studied 
and been with God, and he knew the Father, it's the same that we need to, and the same thing where Paul is telling Galatians also, why all of a sudden you're going back in your own ways? This is not what I taught you. And so when you don't stay, study in the, in the word, in the spirit of the word, uh, you will fall back in that, in your own way. And that's what he's doing right now, saying, hey, this is not what I taught you. Why are you going back? You didn't stay. And that's, I would say, for us, what we need to know, that we need to stay in the spirit of the Lord and study what is required for us to be able to recognize when the false prophet comes. I think, I think for me, uh, early on, where it got tricky for me was is when I, like the sister said, when I would when I would stumble, but that was only because I was following, trying to follow a lot of do's and don'ts, and I would beat myself up. Well, I I didn't do this, I didn't do that. It's like you said earlier, you'll never get it all right. And when I realized that, hey, you're saved by grace, it doesn't matter. I don't care how much you do, you can never you can never do enough. So, we salvation secure. You know, uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's my side. That's okay. Then not, not a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I think that's where it got tricky for me early on. I thought that the more I did, the more favor I got. But no, it's like, it's like you gave me a gift. Now I got to go work for it. No, it's, it's you gave it to me for free. So I don't need to do anything but accept it. And why so many? So many have, um, they preach this gospel. There's been people that stood in the pulpit that why so many deceived or, or fallen away? I mean, do y'all believe that they have the spirit of God? Or at one time they, I mean, um, and I'm bringing that up because it's a lot of Christians, a lot of people who have professed Christ, who have sat in churches and went to many a Bible studies, um, Sunday, you know, lived for Christ, worked for Christ, did things, and have fallen away or have been deceived to thinking something contrary to what this word is saying. It's not that they don't know the word or don't have the word of God within in them. It's that they're doing what they want to do. Bottom line. They're just doing what they want to do. You know, um, there have been times I just did what I want to do. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, it, it comes back. It, 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 it comes back with it. It comes back to me. That Holy Spirit is going to convict you in your heart and your soul. If, when their Holy Spirit convict them and they all in their soul, they're coming back. And I just want to piggyback on that too um, with both what Major said and what um, Gloria said is that is that yeah, people do fall away and we've seen people fall away and what have you. But as Major said, you know, we have to die daily. And if you die daily, you can't die weekly, you can't die monthly, you cannot you know, uh, uh, take this thing for granted, whereas, okay, I'm saved and 
Yeah, and and so you know, I don't need to do anything else. You got to stay before the Lord. You got to stay in the Word because the Word is going to continue to feed you. It's going to continue to strengthen you. And then when you're dying daily, dying daily is dying of yourself. Like Gloria said, it's not about you anymore. It's about what what what, what God has for you. And and so if you die of yourself, if you daily crucify this flesh and stay in your word and stay before the Lord. I can't speak of why some others, you know, fall away from the word. But I do believe that if they if it is if they live by the spirit, as Major said, and not by the strict word of do's and don'ts and all that, you can't do it all. You can't look at it that way. Because when God shows us something, even the Lord's prayer, and, and, and I may get, you know, bang on the head for this, you know, we speak it in repetition and what have you. That is a model. It's telling you this is how to pray, but not to just repeat that over and over. I mean, that's what the Catholics do and the other religions. They repeat stuff and repeat stuff. No, it has to come from your heart. This is the model. Okay, you pray to God. You, you know, bless him. Thank him. You do this. You ask. You forgive people. As they, you know, and blah blah blah. That's what it's telling us to do, but not by the letter, but by the spirit. So, yes, daily crucifixion and in the Word. And I believe that you know that is one way to stay anchored in the Lord, where you don't pass away. I believe that a lot of people is falling away because today we have a lot more false prophets than anything and and a lot of disappointments in churches. So and, and then when them go out there and they see Christian behaving a certain way, they like, okay, so what is the purpose or the point of me doing this or going to church and all this stuff? And everybody have their own belief. There's a lot of things on the TV telling them one thing when they're supposed to follow the right way them good because <clears throat> sorry we all we are living in the last days okay and there's a lot of stuff that going on that have people weak they can't this they're not we're not praying like we're supposed to prayer work and we're not using it and we go by what pe what we hear what people say and then them go to church or, or you open the, your, your newspaper or your phone or whatever. And there goes a pastor saying, well, uh, he's been accused of doing things that you, you can't even imagine. Why would he even go there? You know, So people are just disappointed nowadays. It's, it's, I know it's, you have to crucify your flesh. And I know you have to follow the word. But we need to stand for Everybody needs to stand together and encourage each other. That's the only way it will work. Y'all said a lot of by the spirit, living by the spirit, and not trying to perfect the law. And some people are disappointed when they just say, yeah, I was trying to do everything that I could to live by this word, and I fell short of what the words say. I, I can't do it. That's not me. But some There's a testimony of that that I was reading about. And then some people, um, with this whole deconstructing their faith thing, um, 
it might have just started out for some where they were kind of denouncing kind of the religious type of stuff. And then others took it to the extreme of um, this whole thing. I found out some other stuff that just let me know that, hey, this ain't, this is not for me anyway. I was born the wrong way, all that stuff. And so there's so many different testimonies. And so I wanted to ask, I wanted to see, hey, you come to Bible study, you study your word, you have a relationship with God. Can a false prophet, because Paul was, was using a different tone when he was warning them about the false teachers and the false prophets. He said, I'm in labor for you all over again. You're going backwards. They're telling you something different than the word that I preached to you from the beginning. You're going the wrong way. And so I just wanted to talk to some Christians, some people who study their word, who say they have a relationship with God. Could a false teacher come and, and tell you something that was so close to the truth that you run with that and you kind of get off track. It's just something to ponder because others have. And so I would encourage you the way Paul was saying, hey, if they're telling you something different, you know, be careful. Be aware of wolves and sheep's clothing. Amen? We're at seven and eight. It's, uh, and I'll just read that again. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? And then eight, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Some of the versions of your Bible says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. And it just lets you know that a lot of times people use persuasion to get you to do or to think or to believe something other than you believe. And some people are really good at it because they take a little bit of the truth, take a little bit of law. Boom, throw something else in there. And if you don't know, if you're not aware, you could be entangled into something that's not for you. Well, you got to get the pipe, though. And in the word, so that you would know what the tactics of the enemy is. Because that's, that's half the effort there to be aware that you are going to be tried and tested. This is what happens in the world. And, you know, we see people, if you have your sights on the man or the woman of God, and then they fall, and then it causes you to fall or what have you, then your focus is misguided because your focus should be on the Lord. There is nothing new under the sun. All this has happened. It happens over and over and over again. It just comes in a different flavor, a, a different look, you know, a different whatever. But if you read the word of God, you will see that this happens. It happened to them in the days of old, and it's going to happen here too. They were, they were falling away back in those days. There were men and women of God who, you know, um, fell short as well. But the focus got to be on God. And it can't be on the, yes, follow the man and the woman of God, as they follow the Lord. But when they go astray, then you follow them no longer. And so you have to keep your focus on the Lord and don't be so easily uh, 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 dismayed by, by the stumbles in life because we're going to have those. We're going to have those. We, we have to expect and know because the Bible tells us all this stuff. You read the word of God, have that awareness about it. Oh, well, I remember in the Bible, it did say this. And so, okay, I'm not caught off guard. Oh, the Bible, oh, yeah, I remember this. In the, it's, yes, I'm not caught. 
the word shows us and tells us, stay in your word. That's good. What do you tell a, a Christian that's just that's new in Christ? So y'all speak from where you are now. Hold on, let me make sure. Where we are now, some of us has been, you know, been in church for probably a while. But someone new in Christ who joined the church and they follow the path, you know, the pastor or follow the people who are preaching. And then they see somebody fall away when they were, you know, they're new. They didn't know all, yeah, follow you as you follow Christ. But you, that's why they use the term shipwreck. Or they use somebody, you know, you were on your way. You didn't do anything wrong, but something got you off track. You can get somebody off track even with your own life. It's people, whether you guys know it or not, they watch you and how you live. or They watch the things that you do. And so you're right. Follow me as I follow Christ and know that people of God do stumble. There's not, not a perfect man, you know, but they should be held to a higher standard. If you call yourself a Christian, you should be held to a higher standard. And so there's that, that caveat. But what do you tell a young person who is saying, uh-uh, I tried it, I went, they was doing all kinds of stuff. You know, it's not for me. There's a bunch of hypocrites, because this is what, Air, I, I deal with airmen. There's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites over there. We let Myrna do it. Before my mom got saved, I used to call her, Ma, you going to church? She used to be mad sometimes. She'd say, why you keep calling me and asking me if I'm going to church? I'm not going nowhere. Those people are a bunch of hypocrites sitting there. They, 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 they don't go. They don't. And I had to explain to her. I said, Ma, you cannot look at people and at what they're doing. You have to go in there and do your best. You don't have to follow them, and you don't have to worry about who we. I said, because at the day, I said, at the end of the day, you look at salvation for yourself. They can't save you. So you have to go in there. So I always tell her, don't watch what people do. Do the right thing for yourself. Because nobody else owes your salvation but Jesus himself. Don't ex expect too much. Like at, even my younger sister before she baptized, I say, things are going to go tough at times in your life. But that's the enemy working against you to discourage you from serving God. So you have to follow the word, not what you see. And that's what I tell people that just, you know, come. Yes, you have to encourage them, but you have to be clear with them and tell them, don't think that because you're baptized, everything is roses and gold. And no, it's going to be tough times at times. You got to make them know that. Yes, uh, to add to that, what I would tell the babes in Christ, and I will give this analogy here, okay? I'm a military person, and a lot of people here uh, was in the military or in the military. But there's a process. When you come in as a new recruit, what do they do with you first? Okay, they indoctrinate you. You go to basic training. You go to uh, your, uh, your school of learning. You go through all these different um, levels of training and understanding what have you so that they can indoctrinate you into what the military is. And so as a church, we've got to do a better job of doing the same thing. When new people come in, we got to tell them the truth. We got to start at their level, 
Okay, and then let them know that now the work begins. And this is what's going to happen. Like the sisters say, it's not going to be a bed of roses. You're not going to be persecuted every day, but you will. You will have some challenges in your life. Being saved does not mean that it's just an easy road. It's quite the contrary, because this is not our world. We're just traveling through. The God of this world is running this world. We got to, like, as the pastor said, even though we're not of the world, we have to live in this world. And so those things are going to come at us. So if you think you're going to come into church and that everything's going to be all perfect and what have you, no, the church is a hospital full of sick people. Okay. And so what you have to understand is that you have to know the Lord for yourself. Don't focus on him. Don't focus on her. Focus on the Lord and just know that you will be tried and tested and that you're going to see some things here in the church as you also see out in the world. But we're trying to, the, the difference is in here, we're trying to do better. Okay. We're trying to recognize that and we're trying to do better. And so it's a process. Remember this, it's a process. And we have to teach these people newcomers orientation. Tell them all the bells and whistles. Tell them the truth. Let them know. And then that way, they can at least say, hey, they did tell me this was going to happen. So not to focus on this. This is what my life should be now under the Lord. And so very good guidance from the church. We've got to do a better job. Basically, everybody else is saying. It was her. I Same. think don't worry. Just tagging on what uh, Brother Melvin said is that Jesus said, make disciples. Make disciples. So it's our responsibility to be able to make disciples. When we say a, a baby in Christ, we've got to make them disciples. They look, they're a student. And not only that, you have to give them the correct doctrine and be able to teach them. I mean, that's no more than what we should be doing as parents. If we can't make disciples out of our children, how can we make disciples of someone else? So what does that mean? That means we're supposed to give them what they need. It is their responsibility, but the thing is, is as a baby Christ, as a church in a sense, we're supposed to make the disciples. So we got to teach them. We got to train them because they do not know. And you got to put them into the right doctrine, especially with the gospel which has been given to us. That is our responsibility. Make disciples. You just can't leave them out there. Go read your Bible. They don't know. And that's why Paul, that's what Paul is doing. They right don't here. know. <laughs> oh, okay, go read John. And come back. No, you got to have a foundation to a point where you're going to train them and be on top of them just as much what we do with our, ch our children. We got to train them and be disciples. So, so are we doing that? That's, well, that's good. But that's what Paul is doing here. He, he, that's exactly what he's doing. I'm glad you went there. Training, teaching. Go ahead, Jesse. Well, what's it called? I was going to say, uh, I think one thing is, is 
the summons and leaving presents at her base is the memory and the foundation to her again. Just basically like like the how you die for wrestling. You need to know where you can find them. I'm not saying make some assumptions, but there's certain things that come with that, like certain uh, privileges that come with it and stuff like that. And when you remember that, I think it's hard harder for you then to fall away and stuff like that. Something to ground you. You may yes. not know all of what the Bible says, but you know hey, Christ died for me. Those foundational truths that anchor you and that keep you. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. That's good. Um, verse 9. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Another word for that yeast is leaven. Mm-hmm. It's in the Mosaic Law and it represents sin or corruption. I'm going to read this into your hearing. Leaven is also mentioned in the New Testament in Matthew, where Jesus compared the false teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to leaven. The Pharisees had come to Jesus to test him in verse 1 of that, but Jesus perceived their true intent and the state of their hearts, and he later warned his disciples against being taken in by their teachings, which he compared to leaven. A small portion of leaven, of falsehood, could permeate a person's heart and their mind. Jesus specifies that the leaven of the Pharisees is what the people in the world see, hypocrisy. He says, having a show of piety without true holiness is like leaven in that it gradually increases and spreads corruption, puffing up a person with vanity. Lies and hypocrisy can poison one's whole character. And so, hey, y'all led me right into there. We went from one extreme to the other. So, hey, teach them, train them. We ought to be able to show them how to live and what this word says. We ought to be able to raise them up, indoctrinate them, tell them what the the truths of this word, you know, what it is. But when they come here, if that's not happening, then what is it that they see? What is a little leaven? What is one person unchecked that's just zipping through while you're training while you're teaching are we checking are there are there things that are going unchecked is there a little leaven that is leavening the whole lump that is getting through the whole batch of dough and i use that analogy so you you know what the physical yeast is like it causes the bread to rise it causes it gets throughout the whole thing just a little bit and so how many things do we leave unchecked do we check people who are false teachers that are, are not teaching the right, that are saying something that is so close to the truth, but it's just not right on. Or do we, duh, I don't want to really address that. It was close enough. If it's misguiding somebody, if it's if it's not the truth, if it's not all the way the truth, then I think it deserves a, a check or a mention so that somebody else doesn't go astray or run with that one piece of information and, and create a whole doctrine, a whole thing off of something that's not even not even. Amen. I just had to read that leavening through the whole lump. But no, that's not leaven is not always sin and corruption. Later in Matthew 13, it does represent the kingdom and how the gospel gradually works its way through all sectors of society. So a little leaven could be that sin or corruption. But how about you could be a little leaven that is God's truth that is working through the whole lump. That it may not be happening at a broad sense in the way you see something puffed up, but gradually and surely you know that, hey, 
I'm talking to this person about the truth of God's word. I'm talking to that person about the truth of God's word. And I know that they're getting something. I'm, I'm mentoring somebody. I'm, I'm teaching. I'm sharing with somebody. I think everybody should have somebody that they are sharing the word or sharing the gospel with. Trying to grow somebody up. Amen. Verse 10. This is Paul. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. He says, God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Other versions say, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. When he said have no other mind, it made me think about, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. You got to stay connected to this word. That's really, that's the reality. And not only in this word, but you have to have a relationship with God in order to even defend the gospel. In order to come against somebody who is speaking something false about this word, you have to have a relationship. And sometimes you may not be able to explain it well, just right, but you got to know that you know that you know that you know where Jesse was going without a shadow of doubt that this is my foundation. Something's anchoring you to where you like, I hear you. It sounded good, but just something... That spirit on the inside of you is letting you know that that's not it. Amen? And we got it. Some people got to get there. Everybody's not there. And that's why I'm just, I'm teaching from that standpoint because I talk to a lot of people who are not all the way convinced that this word is the truth, that this word is right. There's so many other things presenting themselves before people every day. And that's stones and all these different things. And so some people try a little bit of everything. Say, hey, I just don't want to miss out just in case I'm going to do this, this, and that. And, this, and that's real. So we just got to we gotta know what this word says. Amen? Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? This is Paul. He's stating his case. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended saying this is why I'm being persecuted because I'm telling the truth and so you just need to know that as you go along your little Christian journey that there's going to be people who oppose what you are saying you might be persecuted you might be treated different you may be laughed at made fun of can you still stand on the truth of God's word and defend the gospel when you are the minority and you're the one that's that's least amen and you just so quickly say yes but I've seen people that get into a big crowd or they get in a meeting and everybody else feels this way. And while they're on the spot, just for that moment, yeah, that's okay. You know what I mean? But can you stand up and defend the gospel when you're the only one? Can you stand for righteousness and stand for truth when everybody else is saying something completely different that you're like, that is not right. Go ahead. That, that's what I was going to say, too. Like, you, you're in a group and everybody over here is, like, cheering this dude on. And you're thinking to yourself, man, he's lying. That ain't right. Yeah. That ain't right. But no, nobody's saying anything. Everybody's just like, yeah, he, you know, he's using all these big words. And everybody's like, yeah, he's the man. You think to yourself, man, he's lying. And that's real. That's Peter. And he knew the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. He knew the truth. But for the sake of the moment, I don't know him. They say, you talk like those other guys. I Three times. And so we quickly say, oh, no, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'll stand up. I'm in the grocery store. But when you're on the spot and you're in that meeting and everybody is saying one way, can you be the one to say, I don't, I don't believe that? I don't agree with that. Yeah. 
I, I don't do those things. Or I don't, can you stand out from the crowd and stand up against something that you know is false? Amen. I just wish that those troublemakers, Paul's mad at the false teacher. Do you understand right here? I wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. <laughs> like he went there in, in here. Or, and in the Greek it says to cut themselves off from you or cut right. themselves off, period. So he's saying, hey, it's that sharp of a rebuke when somebody is coming and trying to um, give a false teaching, tell you something that's contrary to what the word of God says. It's that serious because we look at it like, oh, well, they just got this little guidance. But at the end of the day, somebody's soul is at stake. Somebody can get so far off or so far gone in this thing that that's it. Amen. They can fall away from Christ altogether. And so he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Amen. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have to repent for it later. I'm going to I'm have to tell God, sorry, because I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. And you know, that's, now that's the truth. I don't know if nobody's going to agree, but it's the yeah, truth. Yeah. Where you know what you're about to do or that you are doing is wrong, like all the way wrong. But you do it anyway. And you say, I'm going to ask for forgiveness later. No. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'm about to do this. And part of that is not having that discipline. Some, some people, they lack the discipline. Or Gloria said it earlier, some people are just doing what they want to do. Some people are just doing what they want to do. And you hear I'm, I'm doing me. <laughs> and there's consequences for that, amen? But don't you think, I mean, do y'all think? I think we take God's grace for granted. I think that with those comments. And I kind of thought about, um, who was it? Ananias and Sapphira? Sapphira, Sapphira, Sapphira? When uh, they lied, they basically conspired to hold back some of their money and, and not pay the whole thing. And nobody knew it was their money to keep, but for them, they conspired. They did this, this trickery and then they were dead on the spot immediately. So first he was struck dead, then she came in and told the same lie and then she was struck dead. And so I just feel like we take God's grace for granted because we don't see consequences immediately. Amen. Like if you knew, I'm going to tell this lie, and something was about to come down, I'm about to tell this story, and then I knew some, there were some consequences that were going to happen immediately that everybody could see, and I would be no more. I'll probably think twice about what I'm about to do. I think we'll live a little bit different. Huh? Imagine it. <laughs> and not just a lie, but just with anything. Just with yeah. the thing that you said, I'm about to do this. I know, I know this is not right, but I'm about to do this. I think we would, we would live a little bit different. I think we take God's grace and, and those things for granted when we know, knowingly, you know what I mean? And kind of probably break, break his heart a little bit. Like, hey, you know better. But you just don't do that. Amen. But I, it made me think about just think, you know, that grace. 
hey, if you were struck on the spot, if you if you would have immediate consequences to your life, how would you want them to go? I, I just want to, hey, for some of us, we don't realize that some of those consequences are immediate. It was spiritual. And so when you don't see it right away, you're like, wow, oh, I'm good. But you probably pay, you pay for it one way or the other. Amen? Hey, but it, I thought about the discussion when I when I kind of started thinking about God's grace versus the law and how we may take those things for granted. It took me to the book of Romans. The, that book of Romans is just full of the comparison between grace and the law, and it is just it's just full. And so if you you haven't dissected, you know, get into Romans is deep, and it goes back and forth from one extreme to the other, discussing grace and the law. I thought about. Um, where it says, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And someone is asking, so shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So shall I just keep doing this so that I can get God's grace? And the Bible says, certainly not. Certainly not. And so there's like two extremes to this thing where we say, hey, I'm, I'm free from the law. I am not bound by the law. I am free. I am under grace. And then you think you can use that grace to just, woo, I am free. And the Bible says, certainly, certainly not. Amen? And grace doesn't exist so that you can live a, a reckless life of sin and just, yay, life is just. That's not why grace exists. He just said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you would love me, you would keep my commandments. If you, if you, yeah, it's love. It's love, it's relationship. Right? You're gonna, you're gonna wanna do the right thing. You're gonna want to at least try to do the right thing. And that doesn't mean perfect. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm all the way, I'm accountable to God. I realize that where I am in this walk with Christ. But, but doesn't that bind you up in itself, though? Go ahead. But doesn't that bind you up in itself, Which trying part? to do that? Trying like, to do the right thing? Yeah, thinking that, okay, I love God, so I, I got to do, I, I, I got to do this. I, I, I got to do that. That puts you, that puts you in, into slavery, does it not? For me, that doesn't put I mean, not, me into well, slavery. Just, just, but it, that's a good question. Just generally speaking, just generally speaking, if I, if I feel like, Okay, you know, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. Now, I can say that with my mouth. Right. So now I'm saying that I got I to gotta make sure I, I obey you. I can't, I can't sin. That, that in itself binds you up. Because I feel like then they're focusing just on I got to do X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, D, and follow these to the T. No, but, but, but I know that, okay, so, so to me, there are standards in the life as a Christian, that you should, that you should lead, yeah. But to say that I have to do this, that that in itself to me would would bind you because you're not you're not gonna always do that. So when you don't, that means you don't love the Lord. No, no, you're you're making my whole point. You're going right into you all in Romans where it's saying, hey, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and those who live by the Spirit do not fulfill. The lust of the flesh. Do you fall short? 
Let me tell you what. Oh, yeah. All have sinned and fall short of the, the glory of God. But the difference is I don't live a life of sin. I am not continuing in sin and thinking that God's grace is covering me when I am not walking and living by the spirit of God. And some people may say, hey, when you say, hey, you're not living by the spirit of God, the spirit of God will govern you to do certain things. Well, that's binding me up. And that's why I wanted to say, I'm not binding you up. The word of God says, and some people would use that. I just feel like I can't do that. Well, there's certain things that you better just say, hey, don't touch, do not murder. You know, there's certain things that you know are not, you're not being directed by God's spirit. Right. Right. And so it's not necessarily you going down a chart and checking and saying, I, I think that in that case is what you don't do when no one is watching. Okay. Because in, when no one is watching, you feel you can't do anything you want, whether right or wrong, right? But if you feel like you want to do the right thing, then you're going to do it even when someone is not, when no one is there to see. I think that's a, a big part of being true to yourself. If you can do it when, if you can do the right thing when no one watching, then for certain you would be able to do more even when people watching. I think it's more of wanting to do the right thing. I think it's I think it's that you want to do the right thing, where it doesn't matter whether you're in front of someone or not. You're you're you don't want to disappoint God. You don't want to let Him down. You realize that this spirit that's governing me that hey, man may not see that I did this wrong thing, but I know that I have a God who is watching me, who sees me everywhere that I go. And I don't want to disappoint him. And so that I don't know for that for me, that's not binding, but that is the whole the whole title of why I chose that title. I'm not bound by law, I'm bound by love. And so because I love God, because of the relationship that I've established with him, there's just certain things I won't do because I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to let him down. There, and that's the difference. I think that's the difference. And I just want to add to it uh, is that um, I believe that when you feel that that it is binding, or you may, uh, is that th there's a struggle. And it depends on where you are and how you see things. And I believe it depends on your relationship as well. Like you said, it's all about relationship. And God has shown us so many ways Okay, even the relationships that we have with our spouse, the relationship we have with our children, the relationship we have with others, okay? It's all about relationships. And so when you do do something that you're not supposed to do, one test is that how does it, and I'm, and I'm not talking about emotions, but when that thing is done, you have a relationship with God. I know for me, how does it make you feel? I feel awful. I feel awful because I know that I have disappointed not only God, but my standards as well because I've adopted his standards. So it's not about me anymore. And so if it's not about me, if it's about me and then there's God, then yes, there's going to be a struggle because it's about, okay, this is what I want to do, but this is what God wants me to do. So there's a struggle there. 
But if I line up with what God wants for me to do, because God wants what's best for me. It's not that he wants to um, have um, a, a robot or somebody on strings, you know, to just say, okay, do what I want you to do. But you have free will. He, he has put it all out there and say, okay, now you have free will. You either choose this or you choose that. He said, well, you know, uh, people say, well, I don't want God to send me to hell. God does not send you to hell. You send yourself to hell, okay? And the reason why you do that is because those are the choices that you have made, okay? And so if we align up with what God's word has for us and we're in that word, it's not, like you say, it's not going to be, we won't be perfect, but it's all about the spirit. It's not about the letter. It's not about, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, it is a relationship that you have. And so therefore, when you do do wrong, you're immediately bells and whistles goes off and you know, I am wrong. Okay. So let me do better. Now that's grace. When you can go to God and say, okay, God, please forgive me. But you don't plan stuff out. Okay, well, God, you have to forgive me for this because I want to do it. Now you got to struggle. That's a struggle there because now it's your flesh against, you know, the will of God. And so it's a process. It's a process for all of us. And, and we're not all in the same place. And so, therefore, we have to look at it that way. We stay in the process. We stay before God. And what you understand, the way you understand things today, 10 years from now, if you're in the Word, it should not be the same because we are continuing to evolve and grow in the spirit by what God has allowed us to be exposed to and what the word has revealed to us. And so. Okay, well, yeah, I may skip some. Um, so I'm going to just go there. What y'all are discussing is kind of like um, following behind that verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly, or the spiritual, the spirit side wants to, what the spirit desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out good intentions. That's verse 17. And when I read that, that's in Romans again, Romans chapter 7, when I want to do good, evil is always present and there is a struggle within your flesh but when you want to do something good there is there is sometimes a warring that he describes where <laughs> there must be a law and how does he write it he says um but i see there's another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members but here's the difference right here oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from this body of death He's repenting, like he's before God, recognizing that, hey, there's a struggle in me. Anytime I want to do good, evil is always present. There's this warring. But yet he is before God saying, forgive me, help me, see my shortcomings. And I think that's a part of that relationship, a part of you getting before God in prayer. Oh, I could have did that different. Man, I didn't. You know, God. I know you see me, you know me where I am. Help me, meet me at my effort. Because who's a perfect man? 
so I'm not saying you're going to be without struggle or that you're not going to have a warring in your spirit at any level that you are in Christ, whether you're a babe in Christ or whether you've been with Christ for 50 years, you know, all your life, you will have struggle in your flesh because your flesh wants to do opposite of what your spirit man wants you to do. And you know who ends up winning? Whichever one is stronger is the one that comes out the winner. Whichever one you feed more, whichever one you take time to, to put that word in with more. If you feed your flesh, your flesh is like working out. But if you feed your spirit, and so whoever, whoever been you putting in the most weights, whoever been working out the most, whoever you, and I just pray that you feed in your spirit, man, more than you trying to feed your flesh, because that's who ends up winning when you face circumstances, when you face temptations. And don't get it twisted, temptations are coming. It's not like, oh, I've been with the Lord. I don't face any temptations. Oh, they coming for you because you've been with the Lord. Amen. Oh, you, you profess Christ. I want to get you in a position that seems like it's compromising so that you can fall away. And guess what? When you fall away, you, you don't fall away by yourself. Everybody that you have influenced or have talked to or have shared Christ with may take a dive because of, of you falling away. Amen. Y'all get skipping all around. But um, in verse 14, it said, for the whole law can be summed up in one command. In one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's also, whether y'all know it or not, that's also in, the, in Leviticus 19 and 18. It was a part of the moral and the ceremonial law then. And so we plucked that out and said, hey, we can sum up the whole law into this one command. You think it's possible? Love your neighbor as you would love as yourself. Amen? Then in verse 15, go ahead, get your, come on. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Sometimes your neighbor treats you real bad. And I'm supposed to still love them. Yes, yes. That's what it says right here. And, um, I'm not saying that I don't do it or won't do it, but I have a hard time. Okay, and that's that's real. That's real. That's how that goes to that passage. You know, shall you love those who love you? You will treat those nicely. And I'm paraphrasing. It's easy to love those who are lovable, but can you love somebody who you know is? They don't have your best interest at heart. They might be out to get you. It, it, it makes it hard, but can you do it anyway? Because you know that that's what God is requiring of you. So what Myrna's saying is, what is the benefit of uh, loving somebody who, who loves you? Somebody who already loves you. Well, it's easier. That's what Gloria was trying to say. She said, it sure is easier to love somebody who, who loves you and who treats you kind and who is respectful to you. Um, but the testimony, there's a testimony in you being able to love somebody who don't, don't do right or treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. Or don't, or don't treat you the way you expect to be treated. Major's saying, don't, don't treat you the way you expect to be treated. So, so we got forgiveness. When we got forgiveness, God is looking down at us and said, 
Man, I done told you and told you and told you, but I still love you. Right. I mean, so that's where we have to get to. Well, that's the very, that's what we're is talking it? about is the grace. It's the grace. It's the grace. That was, we want from God, but we got to be willing to extend that, extend that, that same grace, you know, forgive those. And the benefit in that as well is that it, um, it benefits us. You thinking that you're showing kindness and love towards somebody who, you know, don't do the same towards you. But when you, even though it's a struggle, and you do that, that's growth in you. You are benefiting. Not only do they get a benefit because of your kindness and generosity, but you are benefited as well. And so I believe this is why God said that we should love, you know, or, or to treat people like you want to be treated or to love someone like you want to be loved, is that he knows that that is something that will cause us to grow and be strengthened and be more rooted and grounded because we uh, we have gotten to that point where we can do it even though it goes against the grain of our natural nature. It's growth. The, the biggest thing that, that comes into that is God get the glory. Once you be obedient unto that, that's your reward. When when God, when you honor God with that, He gets the glory. And once He gets the glory, you get favor by being that obedient. That's it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about God getting the glory. And that's the key of all that we do as being one of his, is being obedient to that. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, about a pearl, you know, they get roughed. But when they take it out of the shell, beautiful. Because God gets the glory. That's good. I'm, I'm not saying it's easy. Glory is like, what? <laughs> um, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it is easy to um, to be kind and to go out of your way to do something for someone who is just aggressive, abrasive, intentionally hurting you or going out after you. That's not what we're saying. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that that's what God. That's what He said. In his word is to love your neighbor as yourself. And and they and for them, when somebody is like that, you almost gotta peel back. What helps me is to realize sometimes we don't know other people's story and uh, we don't know where they came from or what they're dealing with, or what upbringing, what struggle they have every day. Because a lot of people are walking around and we don't realize it with the root of bitterness. They're carrying something with them. And everywhere they go, that is what they put out. And, and you just happen to be working with them, behind them in the line at Walmart, and you just get a dose of every, you know, of, of what what they're experiencing and what what they're putting off. And I'm not I'm not by any means saying it's easy. Um, it is it's actually it's difficult because somebody gives you that, you almost want to give it right back. Hey, hey, what's going on? You know, 
I'm like, hey, I'm a nice person. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm kind, so why, why should I accept that? But it's, it's what Brother Herb said. It's God getting the glory. It's, there's growth in that. And then you never know, um, and this is my own testimony, so people sometimes expect you to give them what they give you. They expect, they almost expect it because everywhere else they probably, the people that dealt with, when they respond, when they act a certain way, somebody, somebody else, they ain't a Christian, they give it right back. And that's what these people walk around expecting. And so you got to throw somebody off guard when you say, oh, okay, no problem. You know, God bless you. You know, what's wrong with her? It may think you're crazy. No, but, but really, to be, to, to be that light in darkness, to, to do the opposite of what somebody else's expectation is. It does require of you. It does, it does take something, um, and it's a work, but it's possible. It's possible. We always say the mics because the people online can't hear. I had a customer step up to me. And it's true, uh, uh, when they come to you that kind of rude way, your first instinct is answer them back the same way. And I catch myself just when, because she was so, she just walked up, she didn't even wait. And I said, but I don't see you. She said, what are you? I said, ma'am, I was going and responding the same way and I catch myself real quick and I said, listen, you just walked in. Why don't you give me just one minute? Let me check for you. And she still was fussing. And I said, so what have you so upset anyway? She said, well, I'm so tired. I went down looking at a house. And my boyfriend just bought a house. I said, lady, you're supposed to be rejoicing and, and giving praise and thanking God for something that you got. Not be upset. And by me talking to her like that, she didn't laugh upset. She actually smiled when she leave. You see, if you respond to people before they come to you, it's going to be rough for both of you because it's not going to get better. But if you keep it cool and you treat them with kindness, sometimes that kindness can change their mind from behaving in the way that they came in behaving. It's not all they come in, it's all they leave. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's a scripture response to, to wrath with a kind word. You throw somebody off. They expect, they putting out all that energy, all that attitude, they expect it back. But you you quick to pry somebody when you display Christ, when you live Christ. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's tough. Amen? Um, and I was just going to ask just a generic question. Do you believe we have the power to overcome our sinful nature? Yeah, absolutely. Use it. We gotta use it. That's 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 what I, the answer I'm waiting for. Because and, and it's do you want to use this? That's the problem. It's like I gotta use it, but I'm not gonna use it today. <laughs> do you think you have the power to to not do? Your flesh is telling you this. Okay, you're you're heated. You're angry. You're 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 upset, and your flesh is wanting to respond this way. Do you think that you have the power to overcome that? Or, or to some people be honest and say, hey, if this happened to me, use a, a situation that's on the news that you see, if that was me, 
I'm telling you right now, I don't have that. You know, and, and, and that's that's the real, that's the honest. She did that, she forgave him, they moved on, life is good. But if that was me, I don't know if I could do that. That's being honest and real. Some people don't believe they have um, power over certain things. It, for them, it's circumstantial. And even though we know you, you have the power to do over all of it, if you use it, or if you want to. But that's, do you want to, depending on your situation? That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, in all circumstances, all the time, I don't know if me sitting in here in this chair can honestly say yes. I mean, not not all the time and in any circumstances. Because when it comes to my kids and my wife, I can't say that right now that I don't care what happens. I can I think I can keep it under control. I was hoping y'all would say yes. Look, yes, we I mean, have I, the I can say yes. I, I mean, I can say that. Nature, but I may not. I can't promise you that you. I just want you to know you do have power over your sinful nature. That's what I'm trying to get you to to get. Right, it. right, you right. I understand your power. question. You're not saying that you may respond the way you should right. all the time, but have this understanding. You mm -hmm. do have the power. You have the ability because because we're connected, directly connected to God through Christ Jesus. So we do have the power. Will we use that power in every instance? Probably that's not. That's what I asked. Yeah. Okay, probably not. But oh, okay. we do have the power. Major, you and your brother uh, had some altercation, or however, but you was the bigger one. Remember, you you used that power. <laughs> no, that's but that's on. Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, I would say like yes, but not alone. Like you kind of need him to kind of be there. To push you forward because I'm like, I, like if you try to do it on your own, it's you end up with the same result. Yeah, and I'm like, I've been experiencing this, so yeah. Right? Do you use that power? It's when you have the Holy Spirit, He's in you. He actually, if some people, if you confess, He told. I know for He might say, "Don't go that way." Ah, don't say that. Don't do that. Wait. And what? You still have the choice. It's free will. Do you listen to what you know the Spirit is leading you to do? Do you exercise that power over some things that you know your flesh is desiring to do one thing? Do you use that power? Because you have it if you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have it. Do you have the discipline? Well, like you said, it depends on what you exercise the most. Right. Okay, if that Spirit... Has not been working out. If you ain't been in your word, if you ain't been doing what you're supposed to do, and that flesh has all that power, okay, then yeah. that flesh is gonna win. Okay, you have to keep that flesh under subjection. That's okay, so true. it depends on who's the strongest. I mean, we working out, but I mean, <laughs> they just say they working out, but I'm not saying that that I don't have it. I'm just saying that. No, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that it could be a situation where I might not have time to to make that make that. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I might not have time. I might react and then I have to repent later. But but I mean, I I can't say that. You be real. I can't say I can't say that I'm under control all the time. That I'm going to take the time. I'm not saying. No, that's not the question though. I'm not saying you. The ability is the power in me. Absolutely. Okay. But turn the other cheek yeah. all the time? I don't know about that. 
somebody online probably like, ah. Listen, you have the power. Do you exercise? Do you use that power? Um, no, I, nobody probably gets it right all the time. But for you to know that you have that power in any situation to be able to, to govern your flesh, you do have it. Whether it's, it's it really is who's stronger. It really is because you may just quickly respond. And even if you do quickly respond, you know there's always an opportunity to get that thing right, to go back. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, I don't know if I said that quite right. I, I just want to make sure that everything is okay, right? Um, that's, that's, that blesses God, and that is a strong person. Well, I'm just saying that uh, the power of will. The power of will? Your will. I mean, <laughs> God can't even move your power, your will. I, mean, I don't know about that, but. I can, but he just chooses not to. <laughs> God can do anything. There's nothing God can't do. <laughs> it's going to take you out. I mean, I'm, to I'm a point saying. where I mean, my my my. There's was. there's a lot of people turning their back on God. You, you understand? They turn they're turning his back, but the consequence is going to come to you to as well. But, but right. he does. But your your will. You have the power. Of your will. You have power. He's saying free will. Yeah. God has given yeah. us. He, free he will. gave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all of that. And so if if you don't want to, don't go follow God. You have that power. You have that will. Say no. But the consequences come to the point where what's going, to, you know, what consequences come. But I'm just saying, what you said, you have that choice and that power of your will. You have that power. And like you said, it, brother. If you don't feel like you don't at that moment, time, that's your power, your will. I'm not going. I'm not going to do that now. Well, well, well. well, well well, so you should say you'll do the consequence later, though, right? Well, sometimes things happen so quickly, and then we react, and it's not planned, okay? And you just react, and when you do react, you do as as um, uh, as the minister said, we we can go back and say, oh, okay, and, and try to get it right because there's no way now that we can be perfect in everything that we do and when we um, exercise um, our um, responses or what have you. Because if that was the case, then we would need a savior, okay? We're not perfect, so we're gonna error. So, but in those cases, when things happen quickly like that, okay, what, what's done is done, but you can always go back and try to correct uh, or smooth things over. There, and I want to give case in point. Um, not too long ago, we went on a trip, and I got upset with my wife about some things because I was trying to get back to get back here so I can be here, you know, for um, to prepare for um, our son's um, baptism. And so I knew what all the stuff I, we had to do to prepare. So, but we had to go to a funeral uh, in Georgia. And it was taking them so long. I didn't go to the funeral. I, I stayed and did um, uh, other things. But long story short, my you know I got angry and I just said some things 
I didn't say bad things, but it's just the way I said it, okay? And I hurt her feelings, okay? And so when I did that, and I realized that it was already out, okay? And so I had to backtrack and apologize. Not And even with the apology, you know how it works, you know, with, you know, the opposite sex. They're going to forgive you, but it's going to take a while for them to get over it. But anyway, it wasn't planned. I did not plan to go, and it wasn't that I didn't have the will to you know, resist, it just happened so quickly. And so therefore, what happened was I erred. I uh, said things, took things, um, you know, said it in a way that, that was hurtful. And I had to go back and apologize. And that happens from time to time in life because that's just a part of life. We just can't do everything right all the time. Well, what I'm just no, saying, we're not going to get into that. Catch that about the opposite sex holding on. We we running out of time. You better be glad. Because I was going to get you. Hey, I got to get through this, Herb. Let me. Okay. Just, 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 yeah, just remember, if you're in a spur of the moment, that's choice driven. Say it one more time. You choose. Okay. Choice driven is, is your will. That's, uh, that's your choice. Brother Herb, choice. he just chose quickly. That's what it was. All right, let me let me let me read this. Let me we gotta get through this, right? So, um, oh, oh, we gonna finish tonight. I'm gonna read this, um, verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. That means you led by the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure idolatry, sorcery, hostility, and like we said, anger, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He said, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's clear. I don't think I have to explain that. When you when you live a life of that lifestyle, you are not heaven bound. I hope nobody's arguing with that. That's the scripture I just read. Twenty twenty one. What it means practicing those things. Right, a lifestyle. a lifestyle. Yeah, not just an instance, you know, but right. a lifestyle. That is right. your life. Right. And and I you're... just hope you wouldn't fall into a drunk uh, a drunken stupor or land at a wild party. All of a sudden, no, not like you are in an argument and you said something real quick. I hope you just wouldn't land in there. Hey, the whole point I, I want y'all to know tonight: you do have power to overcome your sinful nature if we live by His Spirit. Do we do everything right all the time, twenty-four-seven? No, no. I mean, and I want to question the person that say, "Yes, I, yes, I do." So. We fall short, but we are accountable to God. And I think that is, when you are accountable to God, you go before God and you repent. Amen. And, you, and you get those things right. And you don't continue in that repentance, judgment, turning, and changing some things. So he wishes for none of us to perish, but for all of us to come unto repentance. Then they go on to the fruit of the Spirit. But the, the fruit of the Spirit the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then finally, 26. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or, or be jealous of one another. Amen. All right, y'all give God some praise in the place. We did get through those those last chapters was just given a comparison between a life of, of a sinful nature versus a life of living by God's spirit. What those fruit produce. When you live a sinful nature, you've been producing things, idolatry and all of those different things. That was what that was. So y'all know the difference. If you don't, you come back. We'll read it, we'll read it, but um, let's, let's give God some praise real quick, yeah?